This is Beyond the Couch with Bridges, a podcast at the intersection of Asian Pacific Islander, South Asian American identity and mental health. I'm Christy. I'm Sam. And I'm Diana. We are three therapists who got together in the hopes of demystifying therapy and uplifting stories from our community. Each week, we'll connect with fellow therapists, experts, and community members about life, identity, and healing. We're so glad you're joining us today. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Beyond the Couch. And today it's the three of us back together um, after many months of kind of coordinating, having the podcast be a little bit separate, bringing our guests on. But now we're back together for this episode. How are you all feeling? Good. I'm good. We were, just, we were just talking about before the call how we're all a little tired today, which is, I think, maybe a general theme for when the three of us record together. Maybe we're all just tired. All yeah. Time. Uh, yeah. And it's Monday. Yeah. And I think, you know, the weather was nice this weekend and I got out a lot. So maybe that's what it is too just socializing more, being outside more. I walked more than 20,000 steps yesterday, which never happens these hey, days where'd you go nice. um I just decided to walk to do my errands and also my city bike um membership expired so mm-hmm. that's why I walked but I decided I'd go outside and just run some errands and it just took many hours oh, so, nice. I mean it was yeah. like a perfect day yesterday weather-wise yeah yeah but we spent a lot of time in the park over the weekend which was so so nice and relaxing yeah. just reading I did this yeah, I did the same thing. I had a bunch of picnics this weekend. It was it was very good. And it was nice to see people again. Yeah. Okay. So it makes sense. <laughs> We're tired. We're sun, sun soaked and tired. Yeah. Well, I'm maybe I'm curious, like, how have you all been feeling about the podcast and bringing on so many guests? Because it's been so fun to see how many different conversations and types of guests we've had on. I mean, I've done a lot more in the past couple of months than, you know, I thought I would, but it's almost like each person I talk to either gives me a new idea or just because interviewing people puts you in that mindset of wanting to make other connections um, or think about other topics that are related that, you know, maybe we haven't talked about before or, or, to talk to someone who has a different perspective on the same topic too, which um, it's sort of opened up this new fun um, area for me because I think I thought, you know, I'm a therapist and then this thing comes up and this becomes really fun too. So yeah, I think I remember also when I was young, I always wanted to be a journalist. Like the journalism Mm -hmm. appealed to me, the the asking questions part appealed to me. So in a way it feels like, ah, this, this has showed up again. So yeah it's it's funny I feel like I had a big burst of recording a couple months ago where I recorded I recorded a bunch of episodes really close together and I haven't recorded anything since then so my experience has been a little different I've kind of just been able to like kick back and enjoy and listen to all (laughs) all the really great interviews that you guys have been doing but I gotta like get back into sort of reaching out to people and coordinating I think it's probably the same we're all just working in our (laughs) in bursts right because I feel like I'm going to take a break after this last round (laughs) so yeah yeah it's kind of like seeing how the energy swells and then kind of recedes again kind of like the tides I'm noticing for myself like having a big burst of energy and now I'm feeling like okay let me hunger down and get more into this groove so that it doesn't feel like I'm having to do like last minute 
bursts of energy or more like procrastinating. I could feel that we're all wanting to like be outside and just enjoy life a little easier too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've definitely been noticing that with like, I'm I'm getting those Instagram posts in like right down to the wire. They're getting posted, but (laughs) when the weather's nice, I just feel like, oh, I just want to be outside. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And that could be something we consider as well, right? We did that with our Instagram last year where we took a pause between for the month of August, right? Or at least, mm-hmm. at least two weeks. Um, yeah. And I actually saw this, was it the Cosmos? I think they sent out their newsletter saying that they were yeah. also on break for the summer, which I thought mm-hmm. was pretty cool. Yeah. Like I thought it was a great example of setting a boundary without feeling like you need to over explain or over apologize or as if you're doing something wrong. I thought that was a great example. It's hard to to find the balance. You know, I know that we've talked not on the podcast before, but off the podcast about like the importance of having an episode come out every week. Like the consistency is being so important for sort of growing your audience and connecting with people. I think it it can be hard to find that balance of like, okay, what is like staying present and keeping our name out there and sort of continuing to generate content um, in a meaningful way? How does that balance with also like sometimes just like needing some time off or maybe wanting to take a little bit of a break? Yeah, well, we've been doing it for six full months now. I just counted, right? Six full months, which is um, a milestone. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the stats say, but I do think like six months is a significant amount of time, right? To be consistent. Yeah, I think we only missed maybe like one week, I think over the holidays. And other than that, we've posted an episode every week, I'm pretty sure. The perfectionism, our first like full episode is still one of our most popular episodes. And Hmm. Sam, I know your episodes with Dr. Michelle Chung are coming out soon. And I feel like it's helpful for us to check in on the experience of podcasting because of our own perfectionism work that comes through it. I think even in showing that we are having this kind of like free form episode and like time to record (laughs) and check in with each other is not necessarily structured or in with a specific topic in mind of just kind of being together and seeing where the conversation goes. Mm -hmm. Are you all feeling more comfortable in the recording part? See, it's been a little while for me now since I last recorded. I think I recorded my last episodes. Gosh, it was either early, it was either the end of April or early May. So I feel like the next Mm. one I record, I'm probably going to be like back to the way it was before I did my first of recording. Um, But it's one of those things that I don't know. I I think it's just like stretching a muscle, you know, the more you do it, the easier I'm sure it feels. Yeah, I agree. I think in the beginning, I was really wanting to improve, like get better at asking succinct questions. Mm. (laughs) And I really worked at it. And I think I realized I'm just not that succinct of a question asker. (laughs) And now I just don't care as much. (laughs) So (laughs) I think that's been like the arc of my progress. Um, And, you know, in that process, I think I just relaxed and probably it is a little bit easier now because of that. Um, And I think because the last few have, they were people that I'd already been connected to in some way, either on Instagram or something. So it felt fun to sort of um, connect with them via podcast, like just getting to know them, right? So it's been interesting. And 
I, I always think if it's really bad, Christy will fix it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've also been doing less and less editing. So I hope that it's, we're all moving in the right direction. Yeah. I know one thing that we talked about last time we were off chatting about the podcast was like not even maybe doing outlines anymore for podcast guests. Um, but that also makes me just kind of wonder if our listeners have any feedback for us on this to let us know how it, it's feeling with the episodes being mostly interviews. Like, do you guys miss just listening to the three of us chat, like more of what we were doing in the beginning? Have you all liked the interview format? Do you prefer that? Because I think that we're all still feeling some sense of flexibility about what or where we should really be devoting our energy. Yeah. I think we were talking amongst ourselves earlier that maybe we would do joint episodes once a month um, and then do more interview style episodes for the other um, the other weeks. And, you know, honestly, when it comes down to bandwidth, that might actually work for us because it's a little bit um, easier if we're each doing a couple of interviews so that we have more options. We have more episodes. Otherwise, the three of us meeting every week to do episodes would be a lot more difficult to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're all about sustainability and bandwidth, <laughs> honoring what yeah. our bandwidth is. Yeah. This is a different topic entirely, but I watched Fire Island over the weekend. Have you all seen that? Oh, I haven't or seen it yet. It? I've heard it's so good, though. It I was so Bonnier. good. <laughs> what is it about? It's, I have no idea. It's a modern take on Pride and Prejudice, apparently. Um, and it is written by Joel Kim Booster, this Korean adoptee who grew up in the Midwest and is this comedian. I, I think I've also listened to his podcast with another comedian called Urgent Care a while ago. Um, but he wrote and starred in it. And then Bowen Yang from SNL is also like his best, plays his best friend in the film. And it's about this like chosen family of queer men that go to Fire Island, live with their like mother, so to speak, like who's Mar played by Margaret Cho. And they go through like all of these different dynamics of like hierarchy and judgment within the queer community and all the different dynamics of like dating and finding attraction and having friendships and but it's modern in that it is a very diverse cast featuring like gay dating and relationships and it was so amazing to just like watch it on Hulu and like have that take up like some main space on Hulu's homepage and to feel like it was a really mainstream um, story about a group of folks who don't often get like mainstream attention. I thought it was so funny and relatable and amazing just to see these like these stories and th these people being like the main characters. And it was directed, I think, by an Asian man. I'll have to look up. Yeah, see, I hadn't heard her or maybe I just didn't register that. I didn't realize Margaret Cho was in it because she too is like such a I think important figure in Asian American just for kind of like the cultural diaspora you know her show was the first time I'd ever seen anything where an Asian person was like kind of the main character or the lead let alone like an openly queer Asian woman um that's really cool that she was involved in that I didn't know that she was in it yeah she plays like this older person who creates this safe enough place for everyone to go every summer and kind of talking about like the history of Fire Ireland among the LGBTQ community, especially in New York. Um, 
And it was, it was amazing. I just kept like one of the most remarkable experiences that I have when I watch media featuring Asian American people is like feeling like they look like someone that's related to me. And even Joel Kim Booster, he has, he's Korean in his heritage and like different parts would like remind me of like some of the clients that I work with or remind me even just like his facial expressions of like people in my family, which is like the trippiest thing um, that I first experienced a lot around like the crazy rich Asians period when that part came out. And so it just feels really surreal still to continue getting that experience with new films and TV shows coming out. Yeah, definitely in American cinema. I feel like we are kind of in like a renaissance right now of Asian American representation in media. I remember when I was in college, I went through this period where I became like obsessed with Wong Kar Wai. Um, because there was something that was so powerful about seeing like complicated Asian people that weren't a stereotype and weren't sort of presented as like the butt of a joke and something. They were like the main characters. It was about their complexities and their loneliness. And I just became like obsessed with the entire filmography and I watched so much stuff by them. And, and I feel like that was a really important like kind of period of my own development of my identity. And it was kind of happening at the same time as I was watching these, these movies. And it's really amazing to see that happening in American films now too, where I feel like a lot of that has been kind of left to the international space for a really long time. Yeah. I think what's different about that too, which is really cool is that, you know, when you're watching those films, any, any non-Asian person watching those films at that time were like, you know, either really into art or, you know, film. And it was like a very niche audience who were willing to watch captioned movies, right? And I feel like today, like, because there is so much more happening that it's become, you know, I think for non-Asian watchers in the United States, it's like, also acceptable or at least much more acceptable to go and watch a movie because you know it got good reviews and yes it features a mostly Asian cast right and I think I remember watching what was it Shang-Chi and just thinking like this is just another Marvel movie but it has it's like all Asian it's just like the Asian Marvel movie and and you know it's just as good as all the other Marvel movies right and um, thinking like wow this is this is really mainstream really cool I had a really similar experience when I watched Shang-Chi, which I hadn't seen. I have not seen many, many Marvel movies in between, but I wanted to see this one because I was like excited about the cast and I wanted to see the representation. And I was able to just like get past all my confusion about all these references that they were making to things that had happened in other movies and just be like excited and still be able to be in it. And that, yeah, Diana, there's something like pretty powerful about the fact that, oh yeah, this does in some ways just feel like any other Marvel movie, like kind of in a good way of like, oh yeah, we get to be part of this thing now too. And it's not sort of like a caricature of the hero or whatever it is, or it's not a racist version of the villain. One thing that I've heard from my younger cousin, who's around 11, 12 now, his kind of sort of criticism of turning red the recent Pixar movie was that like why does every Asian character have to have something about like an ancient temple or some like traditional historical like Asian motif that that then like the main character is reckoning with and and that's also present in that in the Shang-Chi movie but I felt like Fire Island was a really refreshing break from that because it's it's not necessarily only because he's Asian that he has to then overcome this like ancient curse or something like that 
um, maybe people our age, like millennials are feeling this gratification to be represented. And that also, as the years have gone by since Crazy Rich Asians, there are so many different dimensions that people have explored that aren't only about those tropes. Yeah. It's almost as like, as if there's just like different waves, right? The first wave is about awareness, about representation. And the second wave is this. And the third wave is like the intersectionality of all of it, right? Um, right. You know, the first wave, you're just happy to be there. <laughs> then, yeah. then, then you can actually get more, you know, once you actually build up an audience that wants to keep seeing these films, right? Then it's like, okay, now how do we create more dimensionalized characters, right? That aren't just you know, the tropes. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. And it's interesting because this is something that I talk about a lot with my mom who was born and raised in the United States and she's Japanese American. And she very much, because of her own experience of growing up watching like Breakfast at Tiffany's where there's a white person doing like a very racist caricature of an Asian character that she feels like, oh my God, like people today have nothing to complain about. Like there's so much more representation or I open up a magazine and I see like Asian people in it in the ads, which was so not her experience growing up here, I think. Um, but I also feel in some ways, and and Christy, I think that your, your nephew or your cousin, what was? Yeah, my little cousin. What was that? Your cousin, their, their criticism of it is really fair. And I actually think about kind of like my own experience where I didn't necessarily have like, I don't know, the quote unquote, like tiger mom, like that really wasn't necessarily my experience being raised by my mom, because she in some ways was very Americanized and like had a lot of those experiences. So I, I think that's really fair of like, is it sort of still that we're kind of looking at it in this one way as a way to sort of introduce a wider audience to the culture. And then maybe later on, it could just be like an Asian American New Yorker that gets bit by a radioactive spider. And it's not mm -hmm. necessarily some tie to like an ancient curse or whatever. Yeah. Or it's almost like there's a tension too. It's like, okay, we have the spotlight. We want to share everything about the culture. Let's incorporate the history and, you know, modern updates at the same time. Um, maybe there's a sense of like, let's seize the moment. But it also seems like with the recent films that it is like relaxing. It's like there's now very unique storylines and, um, and also they happen to be Asian, right? Mm -hmm. Like everything, everywhere, all at once. Have you all seen that? I have not. I want to no, see it. I haven't seen it either. I've been like dragging my feet about wanting to see it in theaters. So I haven't like watched it on anything yet, but I haven't gotten myself to the theaters to see it yet. Oh yeah. I definitely recommend seeing it in theaters. It is, there is that element of like a pretty common immigrant experience, like this Asian family running a laundromat together. And then it gets so weird and twisty and it's like that it was so fun to see because there are some of like that traditional themes but it gets so trippy that it's like we can also think of really innovative shit too you know mm. it was just so cool and I know that like my scope is limited and I remember when like Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon came out as a kid and that that was really cool and innovative at the time but this felt like that to me mm. um really innovative and cool, but telling also really real stories reflecting yeah. like the immigrant experience. Well, you'll, yeah. ha you'll have to see it and then I'll have to hear about your, your thoughts after that. We should only... Oh, we should go together. Yeah, I was like, we should yeah. go together. <laughs> we watch it again. I haven't been to the movie theaters either since before COVID. So yeah, I, I haven't just... seen anything in theaters yeah. since June last summer. Yeah. 
Mm. Um, but I've only heard good things about that movie. I, I really have to see it. And those the two people who co-directed it made that movie. Have you guys ever seen Swiss Army Man with Daniel Radcliffe? It's like no, no. one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen, but it is very good. So <laughs> I was kind of expecting maybe a bit of a strange experience or at least like a little bit of an out of this world experience with the movie. Yeah, I texted my mom after seeing it. And I was like, I'd really recommend seeing it. It's kind of like some version of our relationship or something. And then I didn't, I realized I didn't give her the heads up about some, well, I don't want to spoil it, but some really yeah. weird things <laughs> that probably could have distracted her from the point that I related to, but yeah, it was like my, my cousin saw it this past weekend and she texted me like, um, you know, it reminded me of every Asian girl's relationship with her mother. <laughs> yeah. So, like, okay. All right. Maybe I should go watch that. <laughs> Interesting. So yeah, it makes sense that a lot of other people relate to it too. Yeah. Well, are there any other pieces that would be fun to talk about before we wrap up? I don't know. I mean, I have my vacation coming up next week. I'm excited about that. <laughs> Where are you going? Uh, I'm going, I'm leaving the country for the first time since COVID started. So I am very, very excited to get out of here for a little while. Um, <laughs> I'm, going, <laughs> um, I'm going to Berlin for a few days to visit a friend of mine who lives there. And then I'm going to go to Amsterdam. So awesome. I'm very, yes, I'm very excited. I'll be gone for about 10 days. And, and the only, the only level of stress that I'm feeling is about leaving my two little kitties behind for a period of time but but they'll be fine we've got people coming and taking care of them fun oh yeah I don't know if you've talked about the kitties on the podcast no I don't think I have actually I think it's been that long since we've recorded together yeah I have my partner and I adopted two very adorable little kittens um but the level of anxiety I feel sometimes about their health has <laughs> highlighted some work my own therapeutic work I need to continue to do online <laughs> control and having children one day so in that way it's been a very generative experience for me <laughs> I could imagine that I feel like I would probably be that's probably what I'm avoiding and not wanting to get a pet <laughs> yet because I like don't know if I can handle my own stress over it well that's the thing it's just like a whole you know they are like forever children you are always responsible for them they can never really communicate with you what's going on with them if there's something wrong so mm. It's been interesting, but, but it's been like 99% just wonderful and lots of snuggles and they're very, very cute and small still. Yeah. So they're not like super independent yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. They honestly, because there's two of them, they're uh, siblings. They actually are pretty fine. I think it's just me. Yeah. <laughs> We've got each other. That's one of the admirable parts of of your stuff, Sam. You're always like mm -hmm. looking at like, what, okay, where's my stuff here? <laughs> <laughs> my own stuff I can work on here. Yeah. Cool. It was so lovely to chat with both of you. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll do this more regularly, but I totally underscore what Sam mentioned earlier about connecting with you all who are listening and letting us know what you're feeling and what you're not feeling as much um, so we can continue to connect more. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had a direction, actually our directions changed a lot in, the, in this first six months too, right? But yeah, we're open. We're open to hearing from you and 
to explore different areas. Um, I think we have a very like flexible, broad, you know, approach of mental health related, right? Um, Asian Pacific Islander, South Asian identity related and everything else mixed in with that. So. <laughs> and if you're listening and you want to be on the podcast, email us if you have something that you want to talk about. Yeah, we'd love yeah. that. Okay, cool. Cue our new outro, by the way. <laughs> We're trying Bye. to step Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Beyond the Couch. Tune in every Wednesday, rate or review us to help grow our community and subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. We'd love to hear from you. So connect with us on Instagram at Bridges Mental Health.